Hello, I'm Chris Biddle and welcome to episode 21 of Inside AgriTurf. This week I'm celebrating the invention of a very British grassroots invention and the associated heritage of British engineering that continues today. Here in Britain, once the festivities of Christmas and the New Year are over, we anxiously look for the first signs of spring, the arrival of daffodils, the mounting crescendo of birdsong and other familiar sounds. Yes, the first cut of spring. It was the invention of the lawnmower by a Gloucestershire engineer Edwin Budding in 1830 that replaced the scythe and enabled the creation of curated lawns for the well-off as well as cut areas for sport, especially golf, cricket, tennis and bowls. Budding's invention was a heavy cast iron machine with a design still recognisable today. He sold the patent to Ipswich company Ransoms who made the first commercially available mower in 1832. The first models were pushed, or larger ones, pulled by horses, and it was to be another 70 years before the first powered mowers were to be made available and after the invention of the internal combustion engine. The lawnmower then was still a rare piece of equipment, certainly not for the masses. And then, in another of those quirks of fate, in the early 1920s, a horse that pulled the mower, cutting the grass that surrounded the factory in Derby of the Atlas Chain Company, a manufacturer of chains for ships, suddenly dropped dead. The managers rallied round, wanted to find another way of cutting the grass without using a horse and set about designing a petrol engine powered lawnmower that was to be affordable, lightweight and could be used importantly by men and women. Launched in 1921, it was called the ATCO Standard, ATCO after the initials of the Atlas Chain Company. It cost 19 guineas, uh, which was just about 20 pounds, and became the first mass-produced petrol lawnmower, and an iconic name was born. Over subsequent years, ATCO mowers became one of the most recognisable brand names in British engineering and indeed in the 1960s it was reported to be producing over 20,000 mowers a week as home ownership grew. So it is appropriate that in 2021, the centenary of that first mass-produced mower, that I catch up with Austin Jarrett of Staffordshire-based engineering company Allet Limited, who continued the British engineering tradition in lawnmower manufacturing, and who, in 2011, bought all the intellectual drawings, plant, equipment and tooling for ATCO mowers from the then-owner Bosch Limited, who had shut the manufacturing plant. So welcome Austin and first uh, are you as disappointed as I am when I hear people say that we don't make anything in this country any longer? I, no I, I guess you know most people would admit that they don't know how big and important manufacturing is to the British economy now. Uh, a lot of it is under the radar but it's still really important to the UK economy. I, I, you know it, it represents 10% of what we do nowadays but it's a much bigger percentage of that is is the percentage of exports i think exports of manufactured goods from the uk is like 45 percent 
of our exports. So, you know, it is really important, um, but I don't think it's really recognised very much in the UK economy. Uh, and, and presumably, uh, mass production has generally gone out of the window, and so it would be left to manufacturers like you to uh, fall into niche categories, would it? Absolutely. It's either high technology, isn't it? it it's, uh, you know, manufacturing pharmaceuticals and things like that. If you're in textiles, it's now a technical textile rather than an also-ran linen. Uh, and yeah, it's about niche. Uh, it's about specialism. For us, it's about we're really close to our customers, you know, and, and if someone from China is not going to understand what our customers in the UK really want. We're close to them. We can develop our products to give them to make it so that it's something our customers really want. Over the, what the past uh, dozen or so years, there's been a, quite a sea change within your company, I, I guess. Um, maybe you could just sort of take us through, um, Austin, a, a timeline which, which started off, as I, as I understand, with the company Turfmec or the product Turfmec range. Exactly. So, so I started the business back in 1990, Turfmec, uh, from mom and dad's kitchen table. Yes, and uh, and we built it up from there. I started off as importing and then starting to manufacture, which was my dream. Um, and I, we made a lot of equipment for turf growers and also for golf courses. We acquired the Allet business uh, from Reiki Engineering up in Scotland uh, back in two thousand and seven, uh, and two thousand and eight the the crash came. Um, how did, just as uh, on that, uh, how did that come about? Was it, was it a chance meeting or was it uh, something that you'd had your eye on anyway? We were manufacturing stuff for Royalette anyway, um, some, some products. So we, we did know uh, Roy very well. But actually, I got a phone call from, uh, from Roy. Actually, I was just about to get on an airplane to go to America to a show. And he rang me up and said, it looks like Rick Engineering going to be selling the Alec business. And I would never forgive myself if I hadn't spoken to you and told you this in case you were interested. And that's literally word for word, pretty much voice <laughs> conversation with me. And I said, you bet I'm interested. Um, we need to talk about this. And um, as, as you said, it, that was in 2007. And that was followed by a pretty tumultuous year, the year after in 2008. What sort of impact did that have? Yeah, I mean, really not just for six. We were selling into golf courses, which whose business really declined. We were selling niche market products, not the, the main products of grass cutting at that time, into golf courses. They all stopped buying. The turf growers were producing a building material. Their businesses seemed to crash. Of course, you don't need to buy new machines. if You, you can hold on and weather a storm if you don't go out and buy all your new capital equipment, which would have affected us. Um, so those two things really affected our business. I, I think our business overnight dropped like 40%. So that, that was serious to us. Uh, but you managed to weather it. And uh, just a few year, years later, you had the opportunity to buy into an iconic British brand. We did. So the opportunity came up. Um, actually, Robin Nettle uh, called me from... Uh, from Winchester Guard Machinery and said, did you know that Bosch was selling the ATCO product range? So that was what led to that conversation. And uh, yeah, we had the opportunity to buy the, the tooling and the designs and the products. Uh, the, the ATCO brand name, unfortunately, we, we just couldn't afford and that, that went to another company. Uh, uh, but we got all the products and it really added well to the existing professional product products. 
uh, that we were already making and focusing on very seriously as well at that time. Uh, and I presume had you been able to buy the Atco brand name, you would have done so in a heartbeat, but it was just out of range, was it? Yeah, it, it was out of range completely. And you're dead right, it would have really given us a much better start because we were starting with a, a, using the Alip brand on a product in the homeowner market where we were completely unknown. Uh, yeah. So it did mean that we, you know, we've had 10 years hard work to build that brand up. So the the Allet name uh, it was named known in the sports ground market, obviously quite strongly, uh, but not in the homeowner range. That that's exactly it. No, we we did a survey at the time. Mountfield was the most well known product, without doubt, amongst customers at that time, and and Allet was not heard of by a single person in the hundred person survey. So so you had all this this design and, and tooling from from atco which you moved down to your factory in staffordshire uh, what were your hopes and aspirations in those first couple of years austin uh in both the professional and the and the consumer range so the first thing we did was actually get rid of all the, the we sold off all of the golf course and and turf products that we were making to focus entirely on alex cylinder mowers what behind cylinder mowers would we wanted to clear up our product range and really, really focus on that. I, I always think there's nothing as dangerous in business as focus. And uh, so we really focused up on that. We now got a full range of mowers, small 12 inch mains electric machines, which were previously super punch type products, right the way up to the, the Regal that mows Lords. Uh, and uh, so we really wanted to build that brand up with all of them under the Alec brand. And, um, and we wanted to grow a really serious, well-known cylinder mower, mower manufacturer. And, and, and kind of what was your, your starting point in, the, in, say, in the first couple of years? How quickly did you grow the range? What sort of preparation did you have to sort of go in with a full frontal attack on the homeowner market, albeit or, or from, a, from a fairly standing start with a, with a low recognized brand name? products of course were well recognized and it was well accepted by the garden machinery trade so I'm, I'm forever grateful for those guys because they recognized the brand they they were they were happy that it was um they, they knew the brand from because they work in in the professional market too so they knew of us they knew what we did they knew about our existing robust serious products and and they were really happy that a british company was now gaining control of these cylinder mower products and they, and they were right behind us uh, so, so that was significantly the thing that allowed us to, to progress with that was the garden machinery trade and, and how it accepted us as a, well, that, that was a no-brainer acquisition for you, Alec. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I presume in those first few years, there, there would be great uh, emphasis on the, on the professional range whilst you, you built awareness of the consumer range. Yeah, completely. We, we were getting used to dealing with new customers, new distributors, we were also selling, uh, a, a, our biggest customer was home base at that time with the small electric products. And we'd never dealt commercially with organizations quite like the sheds. No. Uh, so that, that was an extremely steep learning curve and also quite a short relationship because within a two or three years, we decided we just couldn't do business with these types of organizations. Uh, and, and certainly they weren't representing the new Alec brand side of things no you needed to build so over the the, the the 10 years that you you've you've had 
the, the range. Uh, what does it consist of now? How is it split down into the number of products in the um, professional range and, and those in the consumer range? So we have over 30 models. So we cover everything for all of the sports uh, because the requirements of a bowling green are very different to a football pitch, are different to a cricket outfield. So we're very specialised in that. Uh, and there's a whole load of other sports. So we, we do really well now in the American football market and the baseball market over there. Um, but uh, th roughly the way that it works, our professional products, which we paint black, uh, represent about 50% of our turnover compared with our homeowner product range. So it's, it's, it's a fairly equal split, split what, in, in turnover? So, so that, that ends up being a lot more, obviously the cylinder the most of the homeowner market are much lesser value. So we're producing thousands of those as opposed to hundreds of the Alec professional products. But in terms of value of the business, they're 50-50. Yeah. And, and if we come, if we, if we count 2020 as virtually being the uh, sort of 10 year anniversary of you getting into the, the, the full blown cylinder mower market. Um, how has this last season been for you, uh, albeit in, in very challenging such conditions? We're, we consider ourselves to have been really lucky. We didn't shut the factory during the, the COVID epidemic. And March came and we, you know, we got a, quite a big contract to supply to Qatar for, for the, um, as that country prepares for the World Cup in 2022. So that kept us going initially. And then we saw massive rise in demand from the homeowners. When we came to April, May time, we just never received so many inquiries. Our website hits grew by something like 250% month on month, uh, just because people were at home, they were looking at their lawns and you know they, they wanted to get on with their project. Uh, and then they were buying cylinder mowers and, and looking at our, all our YouTube videos about the products. And, and we know that uh, Alex's traditional long-held market has been in the, in the professional market, in the sports ground market. Well, who, is, who would you say is your typical customer for your homeowner market? Because with all due respect, they're, they're not cheap, they're well-engineered and so on. And so that you're, you're not in the uh, uh, low-end consumer range. Uh, who would you say is most attracted to buy an Alec mower? This is a bit difficult without sounding sexist, but the, 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 there's no doubt that uh, the definition of our customer is that they, they want to mow their lawn, not cut their grass. So we, we have to have a serious discussion with them to make sure that they understand that this expensive lawn mower doesn't go and bushwhack, doesn't mow really long grass. A cylinder mower grows, mows short grass shorter. And, and so they are already into their lawn. They understand this thing. And if you want me to group that customer, they are generally 50 plus age group and male. Kids have left home, the sandpit's gone, the trampoline's gone, and now they've got this free space of lawn where they can uh, dominate the neighborhood with their lawn stripes. And, and would you say uh, that some of them are a little bit obsessive about their lawns? That, that would be an understatement. I, we, we, run a lawn, we, we run a lawn stripes competition, international lawn stripes competition each year. And uh, we get applica applications, I think we had from 11 different countries this year, uh, loads of applications of the most amazing creations of striped lawns, I mean, beyond imagination. These guys are absolutely fanatical. 
and they've also really picked up on our whole thing. The big, the big thing that we did in terms of the changes from ATCO to Allet was we've got a lot of experience in, in mowing, uh, mowing grass in the sports sector, but it's all the other things that you have to do to maintain the grass, which we developed the products to be able to do to verticut and aerate and all these types of things, all within that existing product. Um, so, you know, they, they, they are able to achieve this great lawn, not just by mowing and striping, but by doing all the other things you need to get a great lawn. They've got time on their hands. Yeah. yeah. Is it competitive? Do they, do, they, do they compete against one another? They obviously do through your competition, but um, is there competition going on through social media and so on? Without doubt. It, it's, there's nothing like uh, you, you may have experienced it yourself. I know I do because I have to keep a lawn of a certain standard, otherwise... People would be worst of me, but it, you know, there's nothing satisfying when you step back and finish mowing that lawn, and those stripes are dark green, light green, and you always line the stripe up so that na- the, the, the most competitive neighbour is looking right down the stripe. Yeah. Obviously, uh, with professional sportsmen, uh, when you see Wembley, when you see Wimbledon, when you see Lords, these guys take a real care in actually creating a, a geometric pattern on the on the outfield and it is very much part of the ambiance isn't it it is when you arrive at that stadium and you first step through those doors and you see that green area striped up to its most extreme level it really it really lifts the spirits and prepares you for for any match that you're watching doesn't it yeah. Um, I mean, cylinder mowers over the years, Austin, have been the sort of dominant part of mower. And I'm taking I'm really taking it up to, say, 20, 25 years ago. And, and I do know that uh, the factory at Stowe Market in Suffolk was actually turning out many thousands of, of, of mowers every week. Absolutely mind blowing numbers, fine pieces of machinery as well. And, and I do remember I went to see uh, Brian Radham, who runs the British Lawnmower Museum. And Brian has got a shed there absolutely stuffed full of old cylinder mowers of the, of the Ransoms and the Atcos and so on. They're mostly donated to him because the people who've had these mowers in the past can't bear to throw away such a finely engineered piece of machinery. And it, and it seems an absolute crying shame that these should actually be going to waste in a way. Uh, absolutely. And I always draw a lot of parallels between the old the attitude towards an old lawnmower and a classic car, you know, and, uh, because you feel all of these emotions towards this wonderful piece of engineering that has served you so well. You definitely don't want to just throw this machine at the end of its life into a skip. It just doesn't feel like the right thing to do. And are you generally seeing a renaissance in cylinder mowing, both in our home market and, and globally? We, we think there's, there's something very serious going on at the moment in terms of the hobbyist and this, this, this lawn fanaticism. Uh, and it's a global phenomenon, not just in the UK. And I don't think it's just because people have had more time at home. But if you just look at videos on YouTube now, if you want to know how to do anything to your lawn, that there are people posting videos all the time of what they've done in their lawn journeys. So we're trying to think of a name actually for what what a a lawn fanatic should be called, Um, because there there must be a name there that we can use. And and I'm going to rely on your imagination to find us us the word. So so you're not going to uh, share any early thoughts on that with us. Uh, I'm sure you've chucked around a few names. Yeah. (laughs) 
Austin, the uh, traditional perception of a, of a petrol cylinder mower is that of a rather noisy uh, piece of machinery. Um, but now we're entering a new environmentally awareness age and petrol uh, and gas, if you're in the United States, is being phased out in the automotive and other industries. How are you adopting uh, other power sources for your homeowner range in the, in the future or indeed your professional range across your range? So, so batteries are having a major impact on the way that we're thinking about products that we're developing. We launched our, our first battery powered homeowner products uh, uh, back in four years ago. So we've just had our fourth season and that has grown to become our biggest selling product in the range. So the customers, the homeowners are very, very up for this because of quietness, being able to mow in the evening. In Germany, they're not allowed to mow on a Sunday because of noise. So it's, uh, there's a lot of drivers for accepting all the advantages that battery and electric drive uh, brings to our type of mower. But all our development now on our professional product range is with 82 volt batteries. Uh, we're having to learn very quickly. We're mechanical engineers, so having to switch to electrical engineering and the learning curve is steep. But our, our customers are loving what battery delivers. A little bit more expensive as a product. It will be paid back because you're not having to buy petrol. And, um, but the, the advantages of noise, low hand-arm vibration, easy storage, everything else that goes with it, controllability. We can add some great features and we've applied for patents on the products that Electric has been able to give us the opportunity to develop. I mean, battery power has been around a long time. What has what has held up its its development? Is it consumers being afraid that they might run out of charge when they're mowing and so on? Yeah, so range anxiety to some extent. It, we, we do come across that, although most of our mowers are, are used not that far away from an electric plug. Uh, so buy an extra battery and you've got everlasting mowing. But I think the big thing is, is we, the motors have become much more compact. Uh, brushless has meant that much less, there's much less maintenance involved. And, and I think the control, it's the control of the motors and the battery power. But lithium ion has really changed it. Much greater energy densities. None of the disadvantages of lead acid batteries that are stored over winter and discharging buckling plates um, not having to do deep cycle discharges, otherwise the battery doesn't work. Lithium ion has really delivered a, a lot of cleanliness to that element of it. Your mowers, uh, cylinder mowers with their cassette system, um, are uh, multi-use uh, with, with scarifying. But do you have any plans for extending the allet range beyond cylinder mowers into other machinery and equipment? I think the, the electric has driven this because we're learning so much about electric drive systems and the control of them, uh, the application of them, that without doubt we, we are developing now other products. So we, the obvious move for us, uh, especially in America now, is the synthetic turf market. Uh, although, although a lot of people in our turf industry won't be happy to hear that, there's no doubt that synthetic turf is here to play. It's not going to replace all turf, no doubt about that. Sportsmen love playing on real grass. But for practice facilities or for rental facilities for every man, synthetic turf definitely has a place. But it's not maintenance free. And it definitely needs uh, machinery developing in order to keep it clean and to keep it playing uh, properly. And so we're working now and applying our electric technology because synthetic turf's grown inside, not grown, used inside. Um, so the batteries are really, really pertinent to this, this industry. So we are stepping outside of mowing, 
uh, and uh, we are applying that battery technology accordingly. As a, a UK manufacturer, and you had the Queen's Award for industry, I, I do note, um, how important is the Union Jack on, on your products in the export market? Without that, it's critical. And we have a huge Union Jack decal on every product that we make. Uh, and maybe we don't understand in the UK, but the, the British, this striped lawn thing is a very British heritage thing. And, and our, our groundsmen, the best in the world, uh, are, are producing amazing results, which are advertised all over the world. They really, they really raise the game for sports turf. And yeah, the Union Jack for us is, is an important part of that proposition. Uh, and and I, I often joke that even the French distributor doesn't peel the Union Jacks off our machines because it is even seen as an advantage in France. Because the lawn thing is a very British thing, it definitely adds to, to our product proposition. And when we have foreign competitors, um, the Union Jack definitely helps us. And, and in America in particular, I've, I've just got off a call from our American distributor. You know, they even want to sit on, on the new website we're building for them. They want to still refer to it as a cylinder mower and not a real mower because they feel that this whole British heritage thing that this business has uh, through the Alec brand is such an important part of the proposition. Thank you very much for all, all of this. And, and, and lastly, really, um, Austin, uh, you, you had a good year in 2020, it would appear. Uh, we're still in uncharted territory as far as 2021 is concerned. But, but how are you viewing prospects for this coming year? Yeah, we're very optimistic. We, have, we already had a very busy winter, which for us is a real measure of the business. If I can, if I can make money in the winter, then, then it's easy for the rest of the year. So we, we have a, a high level of demand for our professional products on the export. Our homeowner products are driven by lockdown. People have got time to think about it and look at the lawn. So we've got a good level of orders there. Uh, we're launching our own uh, uh, website, e-commerce website, direct to consumer, as a lot of manufacturers are doing just at the moment in all industries, to getting contact directly with our customers. Yeah, so we, we're looking for, we're probably not expecting high levels of growth, but no. uh, I, I think in the present economy, I think um, zero growth is, is the new black. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, I really do thank you. And um, it is interesting, the obsession, as we talked about, with uh, homeowners and the stripes. And, and maybe, who knows, uh, lawn mowing may become an Olympic sport in the time. Who knows? So um, thank you ever so much, uh, Austin. It's really good to catch up. And, and thank you for your time. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much. So there you are, a story of a British manufacturing company that started life on a kitchen table and extends today to supplying grass-cutting machinery for the upcoming World Cup in Qatar. For the record, the Atco brand name was purchased in 2011 by the Italian Stiga Group, who use it to brand a range of their mowers. Elsewhere, the lawnmower manufacturing tradition in Britain continues with companies such as Dennis in Derby and Lloyd's in Letchworth making mowers for the sports and professional grounds care market. Ransoms, who purchased Budding's original patent and built the first lawnmower in 1832, um, who are now owned by an American company, are still manufacturing mowers at their plant in Ipswich and several overseas companies locate their mower manufacturing in the UK, such as US company Arians, who make the British-designed Countax range in Oxfordshire, and Swedish company Husqvarna, who have been manufacturing the best-selling Flymo mowers in County Durham for many years. 
Today, there are many types of mowers, and in the UK, we love our lawns and strive to earn our stripes. And that is the market that Allet has nurtured over the past decade, and which 100 years after Atco became the first mass producer, makes them the largest manufacturer of cylinder mowers in Britain today. I'm Chris Biddle, thank you for joining me, and this is Inside AgriTurf.